0: Hey everyone, how you guys doing? See, Mercury retrograde sex again. Started, the stupid video started again. How is everyone today? I hope you said great. It's hot here, but it's always hot here. You know, we had a couple days where it was nice. Anyway, I want to welcome you all. I've got a great show lined up for us today. And, uh, yeah, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California which means if you have a paranormal need, we can get to you. Uh, it may take us some time. California is a huge state um, to the point that, you know, a lot of people, when they think of California, tighten this up, they think of beaches and bikinis and all that good stuff. Well, you know what? It is like that. But it's not old like that, like Hawaii is like that. You know, It's not old like that. People think it was like Hawaii. We also have deserts. We have high desert. We have mountains. We have a lot of farmland. And... Uh, it's huge. It's just, it's a huge area. So even though we have people out, you know, in these different areas, depending how, depending on your location, it might take us a little extra time to get out there. Okay. But don't, don't distress because we have a uh, psychics on staff, our mediums rather who can, can phone you and talk to you about what maybe may or may not, may not be going on in your residence or business. And in, in the majority of the cases, they can calm me calm down everything until we get out there. And honestly, um, this don't you hate it when your cords do with her? And honestly, uh, we don't go more than three days and we will be out to see you. Okay, that being said, if you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook uh, either under California Haunts or you can find it under my name, or you can find us over at TikTok under California Haunts on Twitter. We are California Haunts on Twitch. We are Cal Haunts on uh, Instagram. I it is ghosty gal, all case, all one word. And on YouTube, it is youtube.com forward slash at California Hots Radio. And I'm usually, I usually do a lot for it in my little community page. You can reach me there or via email. All right, that being said, if you're watching tonight and you like what you see in here and you haven't done so already and you're over on Facebook, feel free to hit that follow button. We're always looking for followers, you know, if we're trying to build up our presence on, on the web. Because when you do that, and when you leave me happy faces and smileys and all that good stuff, it puts us higher in the FYP. And what that does is Facebook looks at that and says, oh, they're getting popular, let's spread them out more. So then we get seen by more people. And that goes for your comments too during the show. YouTube, same thing, same process. Show us some love, do some commenting. And if you haven't done so already, if you like what you see, please subscribe. I've got more than 761 videos over YouTube, and they're all on different topics. I'm a journalist, I'm a photojournalist, and I like covering different things, not just you know, paranormal stuff. So I think you'll find something that you like. The other thing I've done over there is because there's so many videos, I get over there and I'm trying to find certain guests that have been on the show previously, and I get a headache because it's just everywhere. So I'm categorizing everything in folders. To make it easier to find. For instance, like this week, you know, we're, we're focusing on alien abductions and things like that. So that's in a folder for UFOs and alien abductions. Okay. Uh, you're interested in um, past history, we got a, a folder for that. Ghosts' hauntings, got a folder for that. Nancy Matz, there's a folder for her. So you don't have to do what I call a dumpster dive to search for stuff. Okay? And the other thing I ask is if you do go over there and check that out and you find something that you think should be in a different category, let me know so I can change it. Okay. But that's what's going on on the YouTube page. We're about to reinstate the radio website because that's been going under some maintenance and the California Haunts Program Investigation Team website is coming back too. Just had to do maintenance and change things around a bit on those sites. But uh, yeah. Alright. Okay. So tonight, my guess. We're going to call him Mr. Z. Has had, has, has had a unique life-changing experience. And I think he should tell you about that. That experience. Because, I mean, he knows the story a lot better than I do. And I, I think you're going to be interested in what he has to say. Also, he... I don't know how to describe this. He also has something else that he does. And so i to let him tell you about that as well. And the other thing that he does is wonderful, and it it needs to be done. You know, it's one of those things that has to be done, especially with children involved. So I think I'll let him tell you about that, too. So without further ado, let me bring in Mr. Z. How
1: you doing? Good. How are you? Perfect. But, you know, it's getting better.
0: (laughs) Tell me about you, sir.
1: Uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, there's a lot to say, I think. Uh, but generally, uh, I, I run a, a large charity. Um, it, it's called the Quest ECSS, or you can also find it uh, endingchildsexslavery.org. Um, we've saved over 2,700 kids so far since 2015. Uh, we're the best at what we do, and there's a reason for that, we only have one law. It's called human law. And, uh, so, uh, we have a team of, uh, ex-military, uh, military, and also, uh, contractors.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: uh, they, uh, what we do is we do it military style. Plus we got like 500 volunteers. Nobody in our organization has ever been paid and we don't, we don't have a, a pay scale. Um, everything that we make and everything from my books that, that are sold, uh, go into our rescues. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, the, the thing is, is that we're, totally unlike anybody else, uh, We once we get the kids, we, we, they're ours. And we, we work with other affiliate, uh, uh, like orphanages and homes and mm-hmm. things like that. And I know where every one of my kids is, everyone that we've rescued, everyone that we've rescued that was dead. Uh, I know where all of them are. Uh, so um, anyway, uh, we're very good at what we do. And we're so unique, you know, in the sense that we stay with them at, right mm-hmm. up until they're able to leave. Uh, we also provide 24-hour a day protection because, what? Unlike a lot of these other uh, organizations, the people who we take them from are very bad people. They're like mm-hmm. triad uh, Ukrainians and stuff, and they feel that it's their property, and mm-hmm. so. We have to protect them and prevent that from them being taken back. And what a lot of people don't understand is that these kids are kind of lost when they're taken into places they're not comfortable with, and so they'll just leave. <laughs> so we don't have that issue, those issues. So anyway, uh, that's what we do, and and so on. And I also train uh, contractors uh, to become, you know, soldiers to become warriors, basically, and understand the contracting business.
0: Very interesting. What got you into the child trafficking thing?
1: Um, during my work, I came across it a couple times. I had no idea what it was all about. Um, I, I didn't understand it. And one day I was in Cambodia on off time, this kind of place where I'd go and hang out, you know, and, and sat along the street and all the streets were dirt and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I could just be alone, right,
0: mm-hmm. And in
1: a sense, amongst a, a bunch of other people. And then I started to see things happen. Um, and these guys would just be taken off with with a little boy or something would come and take one of these guys off foreigners, which was also unusual in the area that I was. And I got curious. So one day I followed one of them and ended up at a brothel and outside of it. And this little boy approached me and he asked me if I want girl, you know, and all this. And, you know, I I won't go into the the gory details, but I got to witness what was taking place. And then the next day, I know this, uh, priest sees me sitting across the street in the morning, you know, drinking my coffee, smoking Mm -hmm. a cigar. And uh, he pointed or he thought of me as one of the Johns. And so when he came over, he he had a few uh, goons with him and and uh, he approached me and he started talking to me. And, you know, long story short, he found out who I was and he was telling me he was going to do a rescue. And there was 14 girls in there and and he told me how he was going to do it. And I knew it was going to be a disaster. And he didn't have the skills and he didn't understand how, how it works. And so I asked him if I could help him. And, and so I'd spent three days, you know, training them and arranging what we would do. And uh, we, we, we went and we hit the place. And, and then it was fu- kind of funny. We had all but two girls. And, and the priest comes in where I told him he wasn't supposed to, but it was a good thing that he did. When he came in, uh, he picked up one girl uh, that was inside a wall. It was where they would hide. And there was another girl in the other room. He said, get, Grab her. And so I went in there, and this little girl, like four years old, was in there. And so I grabbed her, and she's like scared of me, you know, with all my garb on and everything. She's kind of fighting me. And we get, I go through the makeshift uh, doorway we made, and we get in this van, and we're traveling. I know it's a long distance, and there was no room to put her. So she had to stay on my lap. And as we were going, you know, I kind of took off my guard, but I went look at her and uh, I just couldn't do that, you know, and because I didn't want to scare her anymore. And so along the ride, uh, you know how you feel like when someone's staring at you and Mm -hmm. I had that feeling and it was like, you know, don't look at her, don't look at her. And then I looked at her. And then when my eyes met her eyes, I just knew this is what I'm going to do. You know, this is what I'll be doing the rest of my life. And that's where it all began.
0: Well, it's a wonderful
1: thing that you're doing to help, to help these kids. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's just something that I have to do, <laughs> you know, and I, I, on my side, I put down how we do rescues and stuff mm-hmm. and uh, which is different than what anybody else does. We work within the cultures because each mm-hmm. place has a different culture and there's, you know, just a lot of rules that. We've created in order to maintain the environment and be successful at bringing them back. And every one of our girls gets healed. Um, it's kind of odd because you don't hear that a lot. And it, you can't use therapists or anything like that. What we use as mm-hmm. ex slaves. And they go through a process. And by the time they're through that process, they're proud. They, they have a scar and they know what that scar is and they know what it means. And they're proud of it because they've overcome it. And they're full, mm-hmm. they're wherever part of their life now is just love. So. Anyway, that's, that's what we are.
0: So just a couple more questions about that before we get to the other thing. Um, When you got, I know you don't want to tell your secrets, obviously, because you have ways of operating to do this stuff, but how do you get these kids out of there? I mean, obviously do you have contacts over there that are helping you get to them?
1: Well, these 500 volunteers, Mm -hmm. and that's the other thing is we have all religions, all races. I mean, there's not a, a conflict within the group, right? Uh, Other than our team, we have to argue about how we're gonna do things. But Mm -hmm. anyways, how it starts is they identify a place and then once they identify the place they set on it and they view and they watch, they know the times and how many guards are there and what time it is and when their customers usually are likely to be there and uh, all the location details, uh, the in and out and that sort of thing. And then once we decide to move on it, when we have the funds, what we'll do is we'll move on it. And uh, that's when I get with my team and we start to discuss and we all know each other very well. We know our skills. We know what we're, we're good at. We know what we're not good at. And so each of us finds that space where that, they'll be the one to do this or that. right? And right. then once once that's decided, then we decide how we're going to move on it and how how long it's going to take and usually it's between 5 and 7 minutes before we can get all the kids out and be gone and then we take them to these safe houses because a lot of the kids are in such poor condition. We don't know if they would survive a trip that we would have to take to take them to the location that we they're going to end up in. And so they're evaluated, they're washed, they're given new clothes, they're given an idea of what's going on. And sometimes we even uh, have the money to get them a little toy, you know, to help comfort them in a sense. And then, then we get them to where they need to go. Uh, when we go in, you know, what we call it is we put the, the guards to sleep and, um, you know, which is, which is true. And then uh, we help them lose face in some manner, you know, sometimes strip them naked, cave them together, throw them out in the street or whatever. And that's what we leave. You know, there's been occasions when we found some very uh, nefarious things within the building that we were in. And so we make sure that building no longer stands. Um, And then once we get them to their destination, then all the, the process starts the healing and, them getting to know each other. And, and we also require certain things about the, the orphanage or the homes that they're in, you know, with no doors and things like that. But uh, anyway, so, and we've had a lot of help from uh, ex slaves in that process.
0: Fantastic. I really admire, you know, I really admire what you do. I really do. Thanks. You know, you're doing a great thing. Now, um, you had something happen in your life. You don't. You don't strike me talking to you right now. You don't strike me as the kind of person that is going to lie about stuff like this. You just. You just. You seem really solid. You're. you're and I don't mean to be. You know, dumb, people that are crazy that, that are seeing UFOs and all this, but you know, you, you just seem so solid and no nonsense with this stuff. Tell me about your chance encounter.
1: Well, well, to start out with, it's it's kind of funny how it all came to be, right? I run into charity, right? And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm the the guy who founded it and I'm the guy that operates it. I'm the one that does the rescues the whole bit. And I have this experience, right? And so I have to, uh, I go, you know, yeah, that's really going to look good, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, yeah, this guy, he runs a charity and and he sees aliens, right? And um, so, you know, it, it wasn't really in my thought, but. My friends kept asking me questions about this because I've had a history of of different things on the spiritual side. I'm a Shaolin priest and Abbott. And Mm -hmm. so um, anyway, uh, uh, I I decided just to write a book because they were asking me so many questions and I got they were it was like same questions over and over again Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. So I just decided, well, I'll just write a book and I'll throw it up there on Amazon. Hopefully that'll help and it did it they were able to ask better questions and things like that but then suddenly other people started buying it and other Mm -hmm. people started reading it and uh and that's how that kicked off but what happened was is uh once a week or so i go down to the glades and there's this place that about 100 miles from anything uh that we train these contractors and um uh, anyways I'm a part of that and it's in the swamps right and it's middle of nowhere like I said unless you're ocean bound and um, right. and we do that too but anyway uh, um, I decided to go for a walk and uh, I like to walking through the swamp you know a lot of people wouldn't like that but it, something about it just attracts me not just the smells but the uh, the the animals and things like that that you mm-hmm. see there and then knowing your way around you know how to be safe and stuff and there's so many different types of creatures and it's really beautiful and so anyways, I went for my walk, I was going down a game trail and, and uh, all of a sudden I, I get this area where I see over by these uh, mangroves, which a lot of people don't know what mangroves are, but they're like, the roots are out of the ground in a sense, and they grow outward and mm-hmm. everything around it is what we call the, the suck, you know, because if you step in it you just sink down to your knee and, you know, and anyways, I saw this, this lady there in a, a blue, uh, like jumpsuit and. Blonde hair, very beautiful, and she was hung up in the the mangroves, which is not unusual for a person. But for somebody like this to be out in the middle of absolutely nowhere and wearing like a blue suit, it just nothing fit. But I figured maybe I was just smelling something in the, <laughs> that was making my mind go a little different or something. But um, I decided, well, you know, just like I would an animal, I, I would go up and, and try to free it. And then mm-hmm. be very cautious and calm with it and, and so I made my way over to her and you know I'm still kind of in shock what's going on And I said well I'll just play it out whether it's real or not and what happened was is you know we weren't really communicating with the you know, verbally but uh, I you know like I got closer to her and I sat down and I had a smoke and I wanted her to get used to me setting there being in close to her and knowing that I wasn't under harm mm-hmm. and then I pulled out my knife because I needed to cut some of the stuff away from her legs. And she kind of, you know, kind of jumped back a little bit. And so, you know, I kind of stopped and and slowed my roll a little bit and, and set the knife near her so she could pick it up. And so she picked it up and I kind of was kind of motioning to her. Don't touch this part, you know, cut and stuff like that. And, and so it seemed to go on. Okay. And she kept watching me very closely. And then I noticed she had these really big eyes, you know, um, very blue and very large. And um, so I just kind of thought, well, yeah, that's part of this thing. It's happening to me or whatever. <laughs> and so she set the the knife back down and then I picked it up and I was real slow and I got her out. And then once she was out, I kind of helped her. And w- when I touched her arm where the suit was, it almost felt like I was touching skin, which was kind of odd to me. And uh, so once she got out... Um, I could tell she wasn't walking well. And uh, I think there was a trust that started there uh, because of what I had done. And so I I motioned to her that I would pick her up, you know, and I could take her where she wanted to go. And she slowly but allowed me to do that. And it was kind of interesting, you know, she was about, oh, 5'10, I guess. And um, she looked, you know, maybe wet, 100 pounds or 110 pounds. So when I went to pick her up, I almost threw her over my head because she was so light and they had the ability to do that, I guess, somehow. And so anyways, I had her and she kept guiding me and we got to a certain point where there's this big mound. And I wasn't familiar at the time in Florida what the mounds were all about and all that. But it was, you know, um, anyway, we got to this mound and it was kind of cleared from any brush or anything. And so she motioned for me to put her down. And then uh, she was like motioning for me to get back. And then the next thing I know, I see her like put her hands together like this. And as I stood back, I looked up and I could see like a blue light come down and she was gone. And uh, I thought, wow, that was interesting. I have something to talk about in my dreams tonight. And uh, then I guess it was, oh, uh, another time I was going out there. And when I was going on my hike, I was not intending to go back to that mound, but something kind of drew me there. And so I made my way over around there, and I kind of was looking around. I saw some panther tracks and stuff, and I thought, well, that's pretty interesting. Next thing I know, there's this blue light coming down, and I'm on the ship. And once I was on the ship, there was like six of them standing there. And I felt, well, maybe this is where I get eaten or something, or they do other things (laughs) to me. But they all looked like us, right, except for the the very large eyes, and all of them were very tall except for Sam Jess. Anyways, I'm kind of looking at them one by one, and it didn't look like I was very welcome there. And I get down to the end where Sam Jess was, and she's standing there waving and smiling, and I thought, okay, I'll go along with this and see where it leads. And that was the very beginning. That's where we started to communicate back and forth, and many things took place.
0: How many times were you taken aboard the ship? What was that? Uh, how, how, excuse me. How, how many times were you taken aboard the ship?
1: Oh, I still do. It's been about a little over a year and a half now and uh I frequent them. I be- they became my family.
0: <laughs> what is the ship like?
1: Uh, I call it an RV. <laughs> okay. Um it, the first ship was it was was considered a lab ship and it was it was large but you know I kind of named the areas like living room and kitchen and stuff because it's kind of set up similar to like that but it's it's there's a metallic look to it and the, the the bottom is soft where you stand and all that and it's you know i felt it and it's i don't know what kind of material it is or anything but um it's uh uh it's you know some sort of metals which i found out later what it was but um anyways it was really interesting and there was like no windows unless but there's a way to do that and they touch the wall and when they touch the wall, there, a window will appear, you know, where you can see through. And then there's this, like, glass, but it it, you don't, it doesn't look like glass. And it's very, very hard. So it's almost, they can make the whole front of the ship disappear, which was what happened one time. And it's like you're standing on the edge of the ship. It's still there, but it's, mm-hmm. you don't see it. But you have a great view of whatever you're in front of.
0: Very interesting. Question in the chat room is, what race are they?
1: Uh, they call themselves the Plagiaran, okay. which they're not Palladians. Uh, they're, they're, so from what I understand, there is nobody there in the uh, Plagiaran or uh, Palladian area because, I don't know, there's a lot of things that, that go on beyond that. But it's beyond that. Uh, when people ask me where it is, well, it's you go to the Pallades and then go another 80 light years
0: and you're there. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, cool. <coughs> You talk about the first ship being like a lab ship. So did they do any kind of tests on you or anything?
1: Uh, not really. Uh, it, it's not like that. Uh, what it was was uh, we sat down and we had communications and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, trying to learn each other's language and stuff. And it was kind of interesting to me because uh, the lady who I had picked up, her name is Sam Jess. And um, they're all kind of misfits, but they were doing their work. And, um, my interaction with them was that uh, where we would talk about certain things and they, like, I would say something so simple, like a man walking down the street without a shirt. Mm-hmm. Well, 16 mm-hmm. hours later, they're on the edge of their sheet sheet seat, asking me more questions. And what I realized was that they see things from so many different points of view so that if they, once they've learned it, they can know it when they're experiencing it. And, but it was getting very frustrating for me. And because it was like, same subject for so long a period of time and then i so i went away for a little while for i don't know a week or two and they came after me you know they showed up in my apartment and um they're like you know where you been and stuff and i says well i just i had to you know figure stuff out and, and so um i have a very small apartment and stuff and my bed's basically like my chair and so i i, I was uh had a show on a sitcom and so i had her sat down there and we're watching this and then we watch it you know, all the way through and I got an idea because she was asking me so many questions about what was taking place. So I showed it again and again. And after about the third time, she goes, why do you keep showing me the same thing? I said, now you know what it's like for me when I'm on the ship trying to explain something to you. And what that did was it broke a big barrier where I would show that I would have some certain films I'd show them about family, about people and how the relationships are and all. And then they had good questions, and we advanced from there, and it just mm-hmm. kept continuing.
0: <laughs> when you say they're tall, how, how, how tall do you, are they?
1: Um, well, Sam just is the short one. She's like 5'10", and the rest of them are, are good 7 foot. Wow. And they're all perfect.
0: <laughs> really? Question in the chat room. Are they helping uh, mankind, or are they observing it?
1: Well, that's a really big question, um, and that leads to like contact and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it basically, uh, as far as them, they were more of a lab ship. They just study things and and mm-hmm. track certain things and how, and that uh, can go into that for hours. But um, uh, they weren't to be really the people who who contact. But uh, a lot of things took place, which I put in my books. I wrote five books in, in less than a year and uh, about all the stuff that, that I was learning. And essentially, you know, yeah, that's, there's, there's no contact to us. There are different species that are here with certain government agencies, but it's more of a distraction because it's like you know the way they explained it to me and then, uh, I kind of assumed anyway, is they give us a gift of something, right? We'll find a way to keep that uh, or try to make money from it or something like that or it, create war problems. We're not ready for that sort of consciousness. So what they have done is like um they their plan of, of contact is where um first thing is don't believe anything the government's telling you about this stuff. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm
1: cause it's so far wrong. Uh, but anyways, they, they find very young people. Like I keep begging to be a contactee so I can learn all their, their tricks and stuff. And, right. um, of course I'm denied I'm too old, they say. And so, um, they, they target these, these small children and they teach them the different things about love in a sense, because that's the activator. Um, and the idea is, is that they cannot be teachers. They cannot be anything but themselves but they just apply who they are which is mm-hmm. they've magnified by allowing them to see that their our abilities are so much greater than what we perceive them to be and the positive attracts negative repels So it'll be kind of like the hundredth monkey thing as people see and and bear witness to the things that they do. Like there was a video on YouTube where one of these little girls in China was walking along with all these dead flowers. As she passed them, they came to life and nobody could quite understand what was taking place. And it's uh, because like we, we've evolved to a point where uh, physically we're not going to evolve anymore. Uh, You know, not for the most part. Um, It's, uh, there's a lot, so much information I could be giving you, but mm-hmm. essentially what it is is that um, the what was missing in us is like we see things as magic when we see a, someone levitating or or doing something, you know, walking through a wall or something like that, and we can't figure this out. Well, um, it's, we see that as magic, where the reality of that is that um, we have all this space left in our brain. We use our whole brain, but there's also a large area like memories. Memories lack. Right. Filing up till we die, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's about unconditional love. Those things within your life that's that's of love. So we need to fill all those files and all those spaces with love, unconditional type love, and that's what activates our true abilities to go beyond what we are, because the brain isn't is just an organ. The mind is something that is more uh, spiritual, and that it is the one thing that activates the rest of us by filling our our minds with love.
0: Um, I read some, uh, i was doing some research on your stories and stuff. You said initially when you saw them the second time that they were kind of, I don't know if they were were shocked or they were were fascinated because you had helped her.
1: Yes, because their perception, because they weren't, you know, the the part of the plagiarism society or species Mm -hmm. that do actual contact, make physical contact with us. And so they were kind of a lab and their stories are, you know, humans are violent, basically like we're running around monsters or animals, you know, how we would fear, you know, a tiger or a lion in the mm-hmm. in the open, right? Uh, and so that's why it, it, when I first went on the ship, only Sam Jess was happy to see me. And the others were very hesitant and awkward about having, you know, a contact with, with me. And what they discovered was, is that, you know, I may not be what they thought I was, or maybe I'm unique. Uh, they didn't know. And they still don't quite know. But <laughs> but um, it was that engagement uh, that we had over a period of time mm-hmm. that they started to understand the one thing that I learned was that when I go on the ship, um, right from the beginning, I was challenged very heavily. And that was in the respect to you, you had to be completely open I caught being naked right there is nothing that you can hide you can't lie to these people you can't mislead them you can't even do like a little white lie to avoid you know telling them something this or that and so it was a constant challenge because I wanted to be with them and I understood this about them and mm-hmm. so I, I started to develop you know that ability that when I got on the ship it was like flipping a switch because here on earth, we have to have a different face for every person that we meet, you know, I mean, in order to have a communication and there's certain ways we are, you know, appropriately act in certain situations where when I'm with them, I just have to be completely opened. Um, there was a time when I got on the ship and there's a, like a scan that anytime anything enters into the ship that uh, it analyzes like if there's a bacteria or something that could be harmful to them. They don't keep it entirely pure because that wouldn't be healthy, uh, but they do remove anything that might be, you know, uh, bad for them. And so they witnessed all these scars and like I got nine bullet holes and been cut so many times and they saw all of this stuff on me and they wanted to ask me about it. And it's like, oh, God, this is my last day on the ship, you know, because I'm going to prove to them that I am the monster that they believe. Right. Mm. And I had to explain to them that some people, you know, put themselves in harm's way, you know, for others that can't do it for themselves. And so, you know, I showed them a movie and everything. And and uh, after it was over, um, it was kind of interesting because Sam just took me to her room and we got in her bed and there's like this thing that they they don't have like screens or anything but something mm-hmm. similar anyways it's beyond words i guess but anyways we watched this movie and i thought it was just me and her and then i could hear other people making noise out in the rest of the place because they were watching it too yeah. and i thought oh, great this is my last day on the ship but you know it's been a fun ride once they find our note about all this stuff you know and i was really surprised because when i came out Eventually, uh, because Sam just left and they were all out in the other room and I was drinking my coffee that I've taught them to make for me (laughs) and I make my way out there and it was completely different. It was very emotional. And uh, I've done speeches before on many occasions where preachers will come up like a whole group of them and lay hands on me, you know, for the work that I'm doing and stuff and what I have to go through. And it was similar to that, except for when they put their hands on me, I just fell to my knees. I felt like I was, like there was a ton on the top of me, and it just flushed everything out of me. And I felt this, this incredible love towards these people, and they accepted me. And that's the way it worked. Every time I was challenged, I was very nervous about not being able to be accepted there anymore, but I'd get through it. And so I wrote about all that as a diary um, as I went through all these processes and the things that I've learned.
0: Now, they told you that you were old. Did you ever find out how old they were?
1: Yeah. Um, Sam Jess is very young. She's 263 years old. And they live to be about um, a little over 800 to 1,000. And what happens to them is that they're, they're not that much different than us. Um, they have a smaller stomach, smaller intestine. They also excrete extreme a lot of their waste through their skin. Although I've never seen it, felt it or touched it that I can smell nothing so I don't know how that really works. But as they get older they begin to grow again. And when they get begin to grow again, uh, their organs don't. And so they end up uh, their body fails them and they move on. Which I learned a lot about death too with them.
0: <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: You know, <clears throat> we, we never die. And there's a, there's a lot to that. Um, I'll try to keep it short. Essentially, you know, like there's this, you know, yeah, you kick in the imagination because it's all beyond words. And it took me a long time to try to figure out how to explain this. That it would be understandable,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: there's like a, like out in the middle of space, imagine this great big puzzle board. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's all one solid color. And, and there's all these different pieces, right? And then you got like this dude, he, the big guy sitting on a lazy boy, watching a bunch of TVs in front of him, right? Mm-hmm. And he's sitting on top of this, this puzzle board, which is consciousness or source or God or whatever you want to call it. And right. each of those fragments is us. And it's a life, right? And right. that life it has like a TV series, right? It never leaves source. It's a projection. So that's why I like time and doesn't exist, you know, uh, the material world doesn't really exist, but we are a projection. And each one of those TVs that consciousness is sitting there watching is a a life or one of our past lives or present life or a future Mm -hmm. life. They're all taking place at the same moment, the same fraction of time, or if that even exists. But um, when that series is over um, and the person feels a physical death, that's when that projection ends. And so now that source is it, or it, it's uh, that that fragment or soul is now back with the rest of the consciousness as a whole, and then, um, you know, speeding really far ahead. Um, mm-hmm. As far as death goes, there's this moment where me and Sam Jess were experiencing these certain things from on another place. We we call it traveling.
0: Mm-hmm. In other
1: words, uh, it, we move like a lot of people would call like astral traveling for example but it's it's far more than that but anyways we we're on a planet and we we're in this place where there was a lot of visuals and things that we witnessed and then her mother who was dead reached, uh, showed up and you would have swore she was alive mm-hmm. and um she was speaking to us and and an interchange took place and it was as though it, we were all in the present and the way uh, Sam Jess explained that to me was that upon death, we're like a file right up on mm-hmm. consciousness. And each time we have a life, it create, creates a file, which is a living entity within itself. And so like, it's like when we speak out right to contact mm-hmm. somebody who's passed on and we hear them and, and, and experience them. They're alive, even though that their fragment has probably moved on to another life, right, or is involved mm-hmm. with other mm-hmm. lives. So it just is a separate entity within itself in the consciousness. And that's like when I see like these ghost shows and like, you know, they're, they're uh, contacting somebody from the past. Well, when, when they're doing that, they're actually contacting somebody in the present that's still in the past, what they, what they would perceive as the past. Mm-hmm. And it gets kind of confusing because there isn't any time. It's kind of like Einstein, when he was asked what is time, he pointed to the clock on the wall. So all of this is happening, all of our lives, all these things that we perceive is a projection that ha- is happening at an instant.
0: Mm-hmm. Very and it interesting. never ends. Very <laughs> interesting. Uh, question in the chat room. Um, are they able to cure diseases and stuff?
1: Yeah, there was a moment they, like, um, it was kind of interesting because they can't. They can't, you know, share these things with us until we reach a certain consciousness, which they estimate 40 to 50, 60 years, whenever, because, you know, the 100 monkey thing. And uh, there was a, I had 20% uh, use of my arm because of an accident that I had. And they wanted me to understand and see something that they had, but they wouldn't completely fix it, but they would mend it for me. This is what they said. Mm -hmm. And just so that I could have the experience. And so... There's like a table. Uh, a lot of people would call it like a med bed, but it's far mm-hmm. from that. Um, and when I laid on there, they showed me this light and how this light would be able to detect the problem that I had, which was a ligament or whatever that was connected. It was, had been torn. And what they did was it felt like somebody, you didn't see anything happening. Mm-hmm. You just saw there was a light there, a small light. And you know, it wasn't, it was like bl- a light blue and stuff. And it felt like somebody touched my arm. Right. With their finger. And that was about it. And they like moved it around a little bit. And this was all in a matter of seconds. And uh, then when they finished, I was able to do everything that I could before with my arm. So they didn't completely heal it, but they just mended a little bit so that I could be equalized again.
0: Absolutely. But, That's pretty cool. But though. there's.
1: Yeah, but there's so many other things that goes far beyond that type of healing. Very but then you're you talk, then you're talking about quantum. You know, because everything in this life is in the quantum and it's explainable by the, by the quantum. If you read the Bible, it, it is the quantum mm-hmm. It's 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 interesting anyway. And they've showed me so many different things like that.
0: Do they how much do they look like us, you know, for being tall?
1: Well, I've brought them here. <laughs> um, that was I write about all this in my book too, and it was very comical in a lot of ways, but Let's just say that um, for physically, they're perfect, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they just walked like like they walked out of a, a modeling page or something. Every one of them, no matter their age and stuff. And like Hans is one of the guys there that's taught me a lot about energy and and stuff and showed me things on the colonies and everything how they grow their food how it all works but uh he's like i call him hans because like i've named them because i don't know their language and i can't begin to pronounce the things that they do uh but uh him and there's a his buddy that works with him i call him franz like hans and franz the old saturday night life thing even though they're not anything like that right but it their appearance it's just uh, they're big and they're they're uh, perfect and anyways he looks like the perfect seer dude you know um that's what i would uh depict him as if i saw him on earth but anyway um i brought sam jess down here and um the thing that i had to be aware of was her eyes because the eyes do stand out if people are paying attention and so um develop these these gargoyle type sunglasses and they've modified them since then and you wouldn't know and it was funny because we're going around the mall and that's the other thing is the female gene is alive and well throughout the universe because as soon as we we got into the mall she gravitated the clothes store and uh because he did a lot of work it was kind of funny too she did a lot of work in order for, to prepare for that and when she came she didn't look acceptable right? <laughs> anyway and so i had to help her with uh the outfit and everything but to make her blend in uh, but uh as we're walking around uh, a lot of stuff happened but we go and she saw kept noticing women with like earrings and she was very attracted to that and so she wanted an earring and there was a place there that wanted, you know, it was like twenty dollars. They give you a free earring or piercing or whatever. And so, you know, I, I asked her, you know, is that okay? This is how it works, and so on and so on. And she said yes. And so, when she had her glasses on, her, her sunglasses and when she got in there that lady had her set down and and asked her to remove her sunglasses Mm -hmm. and I says oh no the doctor said you know that um she needs to keep those on she just had her eyes dilated and she goes oh okay no problem and then she pulls her hair back and she's not noticing the difference in the hair but um because it feels the same and she notices the ears quite different uh it's like taller and thinner and all, all that and she goes my, she goes, that's a different looking kind of ear. And I said, yeah, she's Norwegian, and fully Norwegian. And, and she goes, oh, it's been a long time since I had a Viking here. So we got through it, right? That's how passable they are. Um, and then there was other time I took her to like a Halloween party, which is really funny. And then I brought the whole family down on the 4th of July uh, here in my hometown and uh, was able to, to doctor them up in an order for them to pass. And nobody knew the difference. And the funny thing is, is that people don't realize they're they're all here. They're all among us. And if you just really pay attention, you'll notice uh, differences—just subtle differences.
0: <laughs> That's been my thought, you know. You know, with with eventually, you know, seeing them and being in contact with them, which is what's going to happen, like you say, forty or fifty years. But you know, my thought is we may not, because like you say, you. To see them like they could be your next door neighbor across or living across the street from you, and you wouldn't know it, yeah. Until that that point where they decided to come out, you know, to, to come out with the truth, and all of a sudden your neighbor comes across the street and goes, Oh, by the way, I'm from you know, I'm from Mars or whatever, you know. And, and I, I think it's all very interesting.
1: Well, I met a a couple of people I call them Vulcans because they reminded me of that look you know they had a narrow chin and everything they didn't have pointed ears or anything but you know uh I that's what I tend to do is because I have a such a you know English is my second language I don't have a first language so I struggle through it and so anyways it makes it easier for me you know actually to tell the story and everything else but anyways I met this couple and they had lived here for six years on earth and it was because they're not near as advanced as what the Plagiarians are, but they're like mm-hmm. 2,000 years advanced from us. And they wanted to see what it was like, you know, on their planet because it was so similar. And they wanted to be here to experience that. And they lived among us. They worked among us. And um, I, I kidded them, too. I asked them if they had ever seen Star Trek. And they said, yeah. I said, was it a comedy or a drama to you? And they just laughed and said it was kind of both. <laughs> but uh, but that's, that's how... I mean, we're that close to people.
0: Well, you were talking about her description, and in fact, I was thinking about Star Trek. Maybe we're, maybe we're on the same, you know, wavelength, yeah. and um, Kirk and Spock go to, like, the 1930s. Yeah. And they get stopped by the cop, and he has to explain to the cop what, why Spock has the eyebrows in the 40 years. That's what yeah. that for you.
1: <laughs> it is. It, you know, it's kind of a comedy, and like I say, I'm not here to... Uh, uh, you know, argue anybody else's point of view. This is my experience, right? And so I write my experience and how I feel, and mm-hmm. it, it a lot of it is very comical. But uh, the things that I've I've learned about them and I've shared in these books, I, I people call them nuggets, right? right. You know, like sense and stuff like that. And I do explain those certain things that you know helps change us into what they call natural law. But what the what the kids will be showing us, you know, as we right. grow up.
0: Right. And my other question I was thinking is, you you, you obviously showed her what we eat, you know, and all that stuff. Do they eat?
1: Yeah. um, That's another big subject that they've showed me. Um, Almost anywhere you go with with these people, there's, like, the place you touch on the wall. And, you know, I'm kind of handicapped that way because I can't figure it out. And, you know, they sense it or whatever. And anyway, so they put a, a place up where it's, you know, they got my menu so my foods right i can i can create but also what they eat is uh it's this is really interesting it's like little gray balls they're not appetizing to look at at all you know and Mm -hmm. when they get them they can have there's different flavors and sort of stuff like that so like if i got a steak right i ordered steak on there in one of the great balls and it looks like a great ball and they put it in my mouth suddenly i feel the juices i feel the texture it's just like i'm eating a piece of steak But the thing is with their food, it's so it gives you so much energy and that's why they don't eat a whole lot. And but there was a time when we went to a place where um, I was with one of the girls and she took me. uh, She she was just giving me a tour in a sense where she took me to this place, this uh, restaurant, because they don't have a monetary system Um, and they have. But people still like to do certain things a certain way and and Mm -hmm. provide that for people. And. So this one guy was very like a chef, right? He just enjoyed creating meals for people that was realistic to their what they knew, you know, whatever okay. species they may know. And so we go in there, and you know, I wanted I go, they go, what do you want? I said steak and lobster, right? And uh, uh, that's what they were creating. And so I had a question because the lady I was with, she had these like boots on that kind of looked like moccasins. I said, is that skin? And she said, yes. And I says, well, how do you get that? I mean, you know, do you kill animals and things like that? And uh, she says, no, they grow it. And so they can grow different portions of, of whatever material that they need. And it's mm-hmm. the real thing, but it's not conscious. And it's not the whole thing. It's the part that they need. Or like my lobster tail that came out, you could not tell the difference between it being created or if it was actually part of a lobster and um, it tastes the same everything they grow it and it's very quick it's almost instant and the same with like the steak uh, the same way so you have an option to have meals like that or to have them in these little great balls so and they showed me how that all works too
0: that's that's absolutely incredible It's, it's it's fascinating and incredible absolutely incredible Well, I know one thing. A lot of people. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Um, A lot of A lot of people ask me about this, and you know, I'm jumping all through. There's a lot of material, you know, in my books. But um, some one of the things I found really interesting is like when people have all these ideas of how they travel, how they move light years Mm -hmm. in an instant, and things like that. Um, Well, there was a, a. a time when i they have these like the i call them like a, they're like a tic-tac like a real tic-tac but they're large right six eight feet long and um i had this experience with uh, sam jester i got to go for a ride i want a bet <laughs> and i got to go for a ride and then i got to do my own so now i'm an astronaut at least i tell people that that's my story and um The interesting thing was is that I was watching her move her hands all over the place, you know, but there's no instruments. There's no nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. And we would things would take place. And so when it was my turn, what they did was they put in like a light panel, which kind of represented, you know, like a handle, a joystick and everything. And it was interesting because you couldn't feel it, but I could put my hand on it and I'd make the motion. It would move with my my motion. And so I learned what it was like to to move in the ship. And then eventually we got to a point where they wanted me to go out solo and all this and, and with no instruments. And mm-hmm. what they told me to do was I learned all the motions from way I was doing it. Also, you'll see around these ships and stuff like a little blurry area. And, you know, I always called it like plasma. But what it is, is it's an intelligent being. It's an energy that's intelligent. And Basically, your frequency is your passport to the galaxy or the universe, whatever you want to call it. And so, it w- when I got in there, it mapped my uh, frequency. And so, it can't I can't make a mistake, right? And mm-hmm. it's going to act as I do on it. Like if I wanted, why well, call it jump, right? Uh, if I wanted to jump, I would hit a button, right? And and I'd announce like Mars, boom, I was there right in the proximity mm-hmm. of it um mm-hmm. you know i'm making this story short but like when you when you jump you really don't go anywhere um they they don't use wormholes or anything like that what it is is like we're in, when we're in the big ship it has this personal intelligence that's what i call it pi where it uh locates a frequency and they want to go to a certain uh place right and mm-hmm. how they do that is they're the they don't have computers but let's say computer will tell them the exact frequencies that are necessary and required for them to be in another place. So they'll wherever that place is, they map it with frequency, then their ship becomes that frequency and they're there. So they really never went anywhere. And that's how Mm -hmm. they pick me up because each of us has a unique frequency. And so when I want to go on a ship or they want to uh, get with me, they map my frequency. And then when I enter the blue light, which isn't necessary, but I told them I want the blue light because it's cool, right? And right. so when I enter that blue light, uh, my frequency, I go from here to the ship uh, and it's all that. so I don't go anywhere. Uh-huh. I'm just changing my, my surroundings in a sense. Anyway, it, I thought that,
0: like, go ahead. That is, that was really cool. And, and speaking of the blue light, I'm thinking of some of the people that have come in contact with Sasquatch, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, if they if, if they told you about you know that if Sasquatch is is something that they created or whatever, but th- there have been cases with with Sasquatch encounters where people have seen him disappear or come out of blue light.
1: I've heard that too. I have the thing is I don't really ask questions, mm-hmm. but it's kind of funny. I can usually answer things because. Because of the, what they've showed me, um, I, I kind of know the answers to a lot of different things. And one of the big things was our evolution. Uh, it's quite different than what the, the Darwin-type idea is. In a sense, the way to, to explain it, again, it's beyond words, but um, when this plant was seeded, and they were a part of that, the Plagerans. Um, It's like a tree, right, with leaves on it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when one of those leaves falls, it's a species, right? And it it takes off running and goes <laughs> for a while until it doesn't exist anymore. Or mm-hmm. you know, the idea is to find a species that actually can last. Well, um, one of the funny things that happened is uh, there's been it's many of them, and mm-hmm. they live at the same time. So you have bi-species existing at the same time. And here's kind of an interesting note on that. Like, um, I was fascinated by these elongated skulls. And so they were happy to show me and take me and show me these different things where you'll notice that, like, that little crack or whatever that's in people's skulls and stuff. Well, if you look at those elongated skulls, they're always seem to be quite different from one to the other, yet they still have the same shape. And that's, you know, the different uh, uh, plates that they're on are like continents or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that they were on and they were a winged being. And, um, uh, they existed uh, prior to our species and then with our species and they were very intelligent. And when this species that we are now was going along and making our way, and we were still very, uh, young, so to speak. Um, you know, I asked the question about like the pyramids and how those Mm -hmm. were built and and how like, um, I, I, I can't think of the name. It's near Lake Titicaca in Bolivia. Those were like Lego blocks that came together that had um, that magnetite within it yes. and things. Yes. And, and she said it's very simple. And she explained to me, like, those aren't rocks. They're poured. That's why they're so perfect. And they had forms. And they, they created those things in place. And these mm-hmm. beings taught us who were very, you know, uh, not well evolved yet. Uh, how to do these sort of things the same thing took place there and they showed me all these different things that I, I could not deny and um, so uh, that's one of the ways that we have evolved to the point that we are now and that's where the question comes in well why aren't they helping us are they gonna save us if it comes to that well no because there is no life or death and that if we can't evolve if we can't create a consciousness ourselves that will survive or surpass what we're in now, then we're you know why would they want to save us right? Right,
0: right. right. Do they look at us as being uh, still primitive here? I mean, compared to what they have.
1: Uh, they don't have a. Uh, they don't see things that way. They see things as uh, species, and okay. they're how how they're how they're doing, you know how they migrate and all those things. Kind of like. Watching insects. That's the other thing it brings up too that a lot of people are interested. You know, like um, there's this thing called natural law, and it's obeyed throughout the universe. And so there's no real conflict um, that 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 I know of. And from what they told me, there is none. And I've also met other species that uh, don't communicate well, and I understood why. But the bug people, what I call the bug people, the ones that don't look human, because that's the other thing is the people that i'm around are surrounded with are a lot of different species they have different looks to them but they're humanoid right and so they're able to work together well because they they think they have emotion and and they do things quite uh similar and where the bug people they don't really have an emotion but they understand natural law so there's no conflict and they do act a lot like insects from what I've seen and they are kind of scary looking, right? Um, if you would see them, you'd kind of freak out probably, but, um, there's no harm there. Um, for instance, like they know how to harvest well, like a planet or whatever, and, but they won't do any damage to it and they won't do anything that would cause it to, uh, lose its natural state, you know, orbit or anything else, but then they take all of what they need and then they share it with, um, with the humanoid type people too but there's no real communication okay. now i met there was a group of people that i met um and i I've, I've actually met three of them so far personally but they wanted to meet me and uh they were friends with the plagiarians especially sam jess and this kind of cool too is they created a room for us but they could make it throughout the entire ship and um sam Jess showed me on like a a digital thing so I could see it
0: uh-huh.
1: where it creates an environment around the bee and wherever they go, that environment stays with them. So we don't have to be in a place where, you know, we have to wear apparatus or anything. And anyways, I'm speaking to them and I called them grays because I didn't know a name, other name for them because of the way they looked, you know, as a typical gray uh-huh. look, uh-huh. but um, there's also so many species that look like that so you know they just accepted my uh, identification as gray and uh but they don't really have an emotion that we can understand and so as we spoke with each other they explained this to me and i guess they're like millions of years old Uh, and so as we're communicating it was it was awkward but i understood and like they said they made contact with the pagerans but they don't really do the contact work with people like us any longer because of the fact that when well, they come off differently and we can't understand and mm-hmm. i totally i totally get it
0: <laughs> when you talk about the contact did you, did you, did you ask them how long they, they've been coming
1: um well the plagerians are around five thousand years advanced to us in relation you know four to five and so they've been here and before and now, but so have many species, Mm -hmm. but it's non interference for the most part because they understand the natural law and how that works.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This has been so fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely fascinating. What do you uh, appreciate the best about them?
1: Love. They've taught me so much and and my friends and stuff have said how much I've changed in a lot of ways. Um, Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I, like like hugging, it was it, I wasn't a very good hugger, so to speak. Right. And uh, there was a friend of mine, uh, a male that taught me to hug in a way. And and that was very awkward for me because I didn't hug guys. And so now that's just part of my life. When I go to the ship, uh, that's what you do. It's like at first is like, oh, God, here I go. You know, here it goes in 20 minutes, an hour, whatever. I have to go around and hug every one of them. But the thing is, is that. When you hug them, it's it's something different, you know. In a lot of ways, you feel something like you're merging with that person. It's like you're catching up on the love that you had for them before to what it's evolved to now. And you know, and you just go have to. Every one of them requires it. And it's like, oh God, I just want to get. I'm going to go play, you know. But um, it's worth it, and it's addictive. So yeah, there's a lot. That's what the biggest thing is. Is about how they love. And in natural law, when they're born, uh, they're not really they don't have to be educated. They don't have to be sent to anywhere in particular in order to learn specific things. They're not guided to learn certain things. What it is is that it's a long process and, and they don't carry pregnancy. Uh, sex isn't really a thing, um, but that's a whole nother story. But essentially, once they're born, you know, are brought into to life and in, in the outer world, they um, are given like toys and things and they'll gravitate to certain things that they like. This is natural law and natural law guides them. And Mm -hmm. they just keep feeding that uh, to the kid more and more and more higher, uh, you know, smarter things and toys Mm -hmm. and they develop a a thing. So like here on earth, we're, we're programmed. Oh, this is a good, uh, you know, way to be you need to learn how to do this or that and we're guided to that but then those jobs go away and you know, we get advancements and that month that thing no longer exists so we have to retrain but in their way natural law when they're following their heart and what they enjoy they're great they gravitate to what's coming and um, then there is no shortage of, of people they don't get paid or anything this is their joy and they work all the time and they love it you know and if you try to identify their job, it's like kind of like, what well, I can identify the source, but it, it grows and expands in so many directions. But
0: My um, like, question is about this also is, are they uh, hybrids with us?
1: No, it's not necessary.
0: Okay. Because like they
1: showed us, and like our, our scientists can, can tell you this too, you can go to any game trail or anywhere around and take a sample of the soil, and if, 40 types of different DNA. Uh-huh. Then they can take that DNA and do anything that they want with it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But, and it's not necessary.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. What message do they have for us? If any,
1: they really don't. Okay.
0: <laughs> that's kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> <It really> <laughs> good. <laughs> they have hope
1: for us. That's for sure. Uh-huh. And part, part of like, uh, keeping me around and, uh, showing me these things. Um, they also show me a lot of the, the little special things like sensing and things like that, that you can apply. Uh, and because the thing is, is like it was kind of funny when they're explaining all these different things to me that, um, that, you know, they said how much more we are, and we have no idea what we, we our potential is and what we can do. And I explained, I, I said, well, there was a a character here on Earth that said something similar. It was Jesus, and after he healed a bunch of people, he made an announcement: "You, the people of this Earth, can do all that I can do and more." And they like that, you know. And it's absolutely true. But and that's that's their hope for us, you know.
0: Absolutely, Mr. Z. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I learned so much. Oh my gosh, this is wonderful. I I would love to have you back on again to talk more about this. I mean, this is really cool. Yeah. Anytime. yeah
1: and uh, Plagiarin diaries that's my books Uh, and you always want to start with the first book because it is a diary so you'll get lost if you kind of skip forward in the books but I also have a YouTube channel and it's called Plagiarin diaries which Uh has a lot of information so anyways they'll be able to find me through all that
0: okay fair enough thank you so much and I think I'm going to be in touch with you to get you back on okay yeah thank you I would love to talk to you more All right, sir have a great rest of your evening. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Boy, that was fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I could sit and pick his brain all day. No question about that. Tomorrow, uh, Nancy Matz is here, and she's going to be talking. We're still on the, the, the subject of UFO UAPs. And she's going to be talking about how you can sense the time when to when look up to see these things. So she's going to be talking about that tomorrow. So that should be very, very, very interesting. I'm tired today. My allergies are really bad. Um, I want to thank you all for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. I think I've got his contact information here. He's got three websites. I didn't get everything uploaded in here. Like I said, uh, mercury has really been wreaking havoc with me. So if I click on this thing and it doesn't show the websites and stuff, you'll know why. But uh, I want to thank you all for coming. And I will see you guys tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific with uh, me, Nancy Matt and we're still going to be talking about UFOs and UAPs. So let's see if i got this information here. Nope, that's the book. For Sharon Diaries. OK, well, um, let me see what I can do here before we take off. See if I can find it. Hang on a second. So I can get you guys the info. Let's see. Yeah, there we go. So I can talk for a couple more minutes. Um, I find this stuff to be really fascinating especially his story in particular you know because it's 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 like nothing you've i mean we've heard these, these 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 happier stories you know for dealing with with, with extraterrestrials but we never heard it from like his perspective you know where they were very open with him to talk to him about everything so that was rather interesting all right let's see what we got here we go websites facebook.com forward slash zaysan z-a-y-s-a-n dot z youtube.com at forward slash at wow that was quick huh? (laughs) Uh, okay see it's one of those days I told you and there's the book okay book available on Amazon let me run the websites one more time it's been like this for two days okay let me run the websites again okay and. Facebook.com at TheQuestECSS and TheQuestECSS.org. Okay, I think we got it. Finally. All right. I will see you guys tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great evening. And, um, yeah, bye.